Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we come before you today in communion with our brothers and sisters around the world in Christ who are uh, lifting up, praying for part of the family that is suffering, who are being persecuted uh, for their faith in you. Lord, there are so many in need around the world. We look today at some in Nigeria, but there are many throughout the world imprisoned, abused, illegal, too many to even name, but you know every single one, and you are present with them. And Lord, despite our separation by borders or language or cultures, we are all your church, and we are unified by your promises. And in this moment, we come around the things that unite us. We pray that persecuted Christians feel your presence in every area of their life today, uh, that they know that they are not alone, but they can sense you, God, next to them. Help them to rest in the promise that you have not, you will never abandon them. And we pray that persecuted Christians all around the world are encouraged knowing that we are praying for them, standing with them, see them, care about them. And Lord, just as we sit in prayer today, uh, for some of us it has been uh, days, weeks, uh, since we have just sat before you still in prayer And we ask you to help us humbly remember their great struggles and may their faith encourage us, embolden us, strengthen us. Lord, you promise eternal comfort, wonderful hope. And we pray that these promises strengthen the hearts and resolves of our persecuted family as they honor you with their good works and as they fight the good fight. God, we pray that those being persecuted are able to reflect a maturity of faith as they are strong witnesses to the grace and mercy that being born again brings. And Father, it would be so easy to fall into pits of despair and resentment during times of suffering. But we pray uh, what your word tells us to pray, that even in the midst of suffering, that the joy Peter talks about would be found because this is not all there is. Lord, the world is not the Christian's home. We do not belong to the world. You have made that clear. And we pray that those suffering for Christ can find joy in these moments, knowing that you, God, have counted them worthy to share in the disgrace that Jesus suffered for us all. As Jesus looked in love, with love and compassion at those who tortured him, even on the cross, we pray that those around the world can see their persecutors with the same eyes of uh, forgiveness and love. May they rely on the truths found in your word to strengthen and solidify their faith. And Lord, may scripture prepare uh, our hearts uh, to do every good work and fight the good fight that you have for us. It is in Jesus' name we pray and the church said, amen. At the end of that video uh, from Voice of the Martyrs, you saw a word about 
the Bibles as part of the organization's missions, translating, distributing Bibles. Um, the church has given to that on your behalf and will continue to give, so thank you for your giving today. I'm grateful to be a part of a church family who recognize this day and make it part of our rhythm to remember uh, the imprisoned, to remember the persecuted. Uh, in Hebrews 13.3, it tells us clearly, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. And there are many in prison suffering for their faith today. For 2,000 years, Christians have been imprisoned and persecuted. For the first 300 years after Jesus resurrected, it was illegal to be a Christian in the Roman Empire. Since then, there have been cleansings throughout history, tortures, burnings at the stake, and uh, all of those kinds of things. Many say that the worst persecution of Christians in all of history is happening in our lifetime uh, the vast majority of religious freedom violations in any organization, even secular organizations, would tell you it's 75 to 80 percent of religious freedoms violations in the world today happen against Christians. There used to be, I'll just give you a, a few for instances, there used to be uh, 1.3 million Christians in Iraq. That's how many there were when the first Gulf War broke out. Uh, there are now less than 100 Christians in Iraq. Uh, estimates in North Korea uh, right now have 70,000 Christians uh, imprisoned in North Korea or uh, suffering in labor camps. Uh, the most um, just horrifying things you can imagine happening there. And anyone who thinks that following Jesus Christ is easy is sadly mistaken. If you're a Christian, someone who believes Jesus is God, that he rose from the dead, you must be willing to face rejection, you must be willing to face criticism, disapproval, pressure, opposition, to truly live boldly for Christ. Now, everyone in the world is facing some type of suffering, uh, but today we're talking about a specific kind. In fact, there are three kinds of suffering happening in the world. This is not on your notes and just kind of ramping up to it. Uh, but one kind is common suffering, and it's the suffering that's common to everybody. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you believe. For instance, when a hurricane comes to town, when a tornado comes uh, to town, it doesn't just pick on uh, a certain group of people or a certain belief system. It, it rains on everybody. It, it, everyone suffers from it, and the Bible says Christians are to help everyone in common suffering. Second kind of suffering is carnal suffering. And that's the suffering that we bring on um, ourselves from our own sin. If you spend way more money than you made and now you're in over your head and you're going into bankruptcy, that's not God's fault. That's not anyone else's fault. It's suffering that we bring on ourselves. And we bring on a lot of our own suffering from decisions that we make or sinful decisions. Carnal suffering can be suffering from following a false teaching or false religion. But not all suffering is from sin. The Bible says sometimes suffering is Christian, that you will face, friend, you will face a tension in your mind, in your soul, that you would not otherwise face if you were not a believer. And you may not suffer directly from someone, but you will face opposition. And the Bible speaks often of persecution it uses another word uh, which you may be experiencing, and that is the word 
opposition. And you will face opposition as a Christian. And how you handle opposition prepares you for how you might handle persecution. Uh, Here is some of the opposition that that you might face uh, as a believer. Christians believe that salvation is by grace. That you cannot earn it. That it is given to you by God. You put your faith in the work that Jesus Christ earned for you. And you'll face opposition for that belief. Christians believe that everyone, regardless of age, regardless of race or background, is deserving of love and is worth serving. And you will face opposition for that view, for that belief. Christians believe that people did not evolve that we were created by God, made in the image of God. You'll face opposition for that belief. Christians believe that men were made to be men and women were created to be women and you'll face opposition for your belief. Christians believe that scripture is, is inspired by God, that it is God-breathed and it's useful to teach us what is right in our lives and to show us what's wrong in our life and you'll face opposition for that belief. Uh, maybe from your friends or your family or your workplace, your government, and how you face opposition prepares you for how uh, you might face persecution. How you respond to a test prepares you for how you respond to a trial. And thankfully, God is ready to help you. Uh, We've been looking at the names of God in this series, what God wants to do for you, because his name reveals his character. And his names reveal what the, he can do in your life, the power he can have in your life. And one of his names, and by the way, November 19th and 20th, the weekend before Thanksgiving and two weekends, uh, we're going to have a worship weekend and celebrate that God is worthy of his names and celebrate God in our lives as we kick off the celebration season and holiday season. So I hope you join us uh, for that service that weekend. One of his names is Jehovah Magininu. Jehovah Magininu. And it means that he is the God who defends us. He is our great defender. The Lord, the defender. When Moses was under attack as the leader of Israel, he was leading God's people out of uh, captivity, out of suffering, out of persecution. And when he was under attack, we learn this name of God because it says that God, Jehovah Magininu, defended Moses. And he is our defense. He defends his people. In Psalm 119, 114, let's read this out loud together. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Today, we're going to look at how trusting in God, trusting in Jehovah Magininu, our great defender, can help us when we are facing opposition. And in and, and no way, I don't want this to be lost today, I, we're not looking at this in any way to uh, cheapen or to say that we're going through what someone like a Rebecca is going through or the different people that we've looked at in, in Scripture but the, or in the day of, of honoring the persecuted church. But the Bible does speak often in the New Testament of how to face opposition in our life. And when you're feeling cornered or maligned for your faith, there are some things you need to remember and some things that you need to do. 
when you're feeling pressure to be embarrassed or ashamed of what God said or what God has done, the pressure to be silent when people are praising moral choices that the Bible says are wrong, there are some things you need to do, some things you need to remember. And I have several points today uh, from God's word, just taken directly from the words of scripture, uh, but we'll just spend a couple minutes on, on each point, not long. But first, let's look at three things you need to remember when you're feeling pressured for your faith. And the first thing is, you might write this down if you're taking notes, is remember, it will make me more like Christ. And that's a good thing. It makes me more like Christ, more like Jesus, because Jesus experienced opposition in great quantities, obviously. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus said to his followers, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. Now follow, follow me on this. If God wants you to become like Christ in the way that you think, the way that you feel, the way that you act, then you're going to have to go through some things that Jesus went through. Uh, were there times when Jesus was lonely? Yes, absolutely. Uh, were there times when Jesus was tempted or fatigued, worn out, lied about, misrepresented? Yes, absolutely. What makes us think that God would spare us from those things if he did not spare his own son from those things? And we're going to go through, you will go through some of the things that Jesus experienced. Remember, Jesus was hated by many people. He was loved by sinners but he was hated by people who did not like goodness. And evil always hates goodness. Darkness cannot stand the light. And what that means is even if, friend, even if you were perfect, you would not be liked by everyone. Jesus says, you think they're going to like you? <laughs> I, I'm perfect and they're not accepting me. You think they're all going to accept, the world's going to accept you? It's just not going to happen. You're never going to get to the point where you're accepted by everyone. So Peter writes, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and God rests on you. If you're insulted because you follow Christ, because you're a Christian, and if you're never criticized or questioned, if, if no one's ever pushed back on your belief on your faith, you should ask yourself, how much like Christ am I? Why is no one noticing my faith? Why is my faith not confusing to anyone? Unbelievers notice Jesus' faith. Am I becoming like him? The second thing that we remember is that opposition will deepen my faith. It's how your faith grows. Just how you grow a muscle. A muscle is not grown uh, by sitting in a chair and eating popcorn. If it were, you'd be looking at the most ripped guy you've ever seen. A muscle is grown by it facing the opposite. Every gym you'd ever go, through, go to, whether it has weights or bands or whatever it is, it puts the muscle under resistance to where something is being pulled the opposite way. The muscle faces opposition, so it grows. If you never have opposition in your life, then you don't have a growing faith. And it is without a doubt that the strongest believers in the world right now are those who are having their faith tested the most. 
That's why I've, I've said before, I believe in our culture, young Christians have some of the strongest faith because they are put in situations constantly where there's opposition, where their faith is being questioned. That's where strongest believers are grown, in opposition. In 1 Peter 1.7, let's read this together. He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. If you let opposition deepen your faith, you let it become let it help you become more like Jesus. The third thing it does is opposition will give me eternal rewards. So let's look at one of the most famous statements from one of the most famous sermons Jesus ever preached. He said, I'm going to bless anyone who's persecuted because they live for God. And in Matthew 5, he's just listed the Beatitudes. And he gets to this last one and he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all things, all kinds of evil against you. Watch this now. Because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Notice, you don't just get rewarded for any time you're insulted. You don't get rewarded for being rude. You don't get rewarded for being obnoxious. You don't get rewarded for criticizing others. There are many people who, says you're rewarded for righteousness. There are many who are self-righteous. And they think that they understand the Bible better than anybody and they're better Christians than anybody and they use all of that knowledge and energy to criticize the body of Christ, to criticize other, uh, other Christians. There's no humility. And, and they're not martyrs, uh, they're, just, they're just jerks. And he's saying, you don't get, Jesus says, you don't get rewarded for that strategy. The strategy is not to go out and drum up persecution over yourself. Jesus said, you're rewarded when you're persecuted because of him, persecuted for righteousness. Humbly, boldly, being right with God, following his ways. And then when opposition comes, it will make you more like Christ, it can deepen your faith, and you'll be rewarded for eternity. Never forget that. When you remember those things, these things, you can endure a tremendous amount of opposition. Now that's what we remember, but what do we do? And to answer this, we're going to go to the most important writing on this in human history. We did a whole series on it last fall. And it's a letter Peter wrote to the church who was being persecuted under the emperor Nero. Nero, and we talked about this in that series, Nero was feeding Christians to the lions. He was dipping them in tar, lighting them on fire to light his parties, uh, many horrible things. And in many instances, believers were facing various forms of persecution from very severe to the opposition of, of living as a believer where it was illegal to be a believer and to say Christ rose from the dead. And Peter writes to them and tells them, by the power of Christ, here's what you need to do. He's living under this opposition as well. He says, here's what you need to do to handle opposition to your faith. Number one, do not be surprised. You should not expect the world to support your decision to follow Jesus and live by his word. Friend, the, the world's not rooting for you to do that. 
In chapter 4, verse 12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised when people choose not to believe or start falling for the wrong doctrine or get caught up in the world's value system and then somehow see you as the enemy. Do not be surprised. Number two, he also says, do not fear. You might write that in. How do you get rid of the fear of opposition? How do you get rid of the fear of disapproval? How do you get rid of the fear of being rejected? You need to be filled with God's love. The more you realize how much God loves you, the less you will fear. Loved people are not afraid of rejection. Loved people are not afraid of opposition. They know they're loved by God and that they have his approval. And in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Like, don't fear you're doing what, what's right in God's eyes. So I love that song we've been singing, My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And you can focus on the temporary pain or the blessing. And this is why living, this is why, friend, living a disciplined life is so crucial. Why being disciplined with our bodies, why being disciplined with our money, with our desires. Because every time we deny ourselves in the moment for a longer term blessing, we are maturing into someone who can face opposition without fear. The Bible tells us that when Stephen, uh, who you can read about Stephen in the book of Acts, he was the first martyr. He, he died for his faith. He was stoned to death. And it says that he looked up into heaven and he wasn't afraid. He worshiped in the moments of being killed, the moments of being persecuted. And it saved him from fear and it saved him from denying God. Do not fear. Number three, do not be ashamed. You should never be ashamed for standing for the truth. Never be embarrassed for doing uh, what's right. Don't be ashamed for following Christ and his word, even if it doesn't make perfect sense to you yet. Even if you can't perfectly defend it and, and argue it, articulate it. Don't be ashamed. In chapter 4, verse 16, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that, that name. When you bear the name Christian, you're bearing the name of Christ. You're a, a, a imitating Christ, following Christ. And there's no shame in carrying the name of Christ. There's no shame. I mean, I don't believe there's any shame in being forgiven and being saved and being ransomed and having promises to cling to, to have a home in, in heaven that this world is not my home. 1 Peter 3.17 says, if you, it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And Peter's just getting... He's getting very logical here. He's saying, no matter what you do in life, somebody's not going to like it. And you can't make everybody like you, so you, may, you might as well do the things that God likes because that's going to matter for eternity. And if you're going to suffer in this world, you may, may as well have disapproval for doing the godly thing. That's just logical. We come to the fourth thing, and this is, this is valuable, is recognize the source of the opposition. The real source of the pressure that we feel at times to cave in, the pressure that we feel that, well, I'll just be quiet on this one. 
Well, I'm not going to stand up from God. Stand up for God. Uh, I don't think, you know, God says it's a big deal, but I don't know if I'm going to make that a big deal in my life. That pressure is not coming from other people. That pressure is really coming from Satan. Chapter 5, verse 8, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let me explain this. Uh, Satan has learned that it's futile to attack Jesus Christ directly. And he knows that rather than attacking Jesus directly, he wants to attack those who follow him. And he'll use any tool, any person, anything he can to do it. And Peter say that those, those people, the things that are attacking you, they're just pawns. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, if you don't have God's power in your life, you have no defense against the work of Satan. And he can just have you go this way and that, and he can master your moods, and you have no defense against Satan unless you have the power of God's Spirit inside you. And what we need to do is recognize the source and treat the opposition the way Jesus did. How did Jesus treat those who persecuted him, even on the cross? He's saying, Father, forgive them. Why? They don't know what they're doing. The people who uh, attack God, who attack Christ, who attack the church, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. And I would tell you, the opposition that you may, some of you might feel in your life right now, we can tend to start painting the people who oppose God and oppose Christians as evil. They're not evil. They're lost. They're not evil. They're in the dark. And we're to look at them with love and compassion, not see uh, them as evil. Jesus knew that. Peter knew that. Paul knew that. They knew the real source. And that's why they could endure persecution and opposition from another person. Because they were looking past the person. Before I give you this next point, we'll, we'll go on in this, uh, in the very next verse. It says, resist him, the enemy, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the, the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So what's this? Number five is, is this right here, stand firm. Peter's saying, I, I love that verse. It, it's basically, uh, if you're suffering for your faith, Welcome to the club. Uh, it happened with our founding member, started there, and it's happened with all of us, and uh, now you're experiencing it, and don't be ashamed. Don't feel like you're doing something wrong. You're in good company, and this has happened for 2,000 years where there are people who are suffering right now for being a believer in Christ. Stand firm in your faith. Friend, if you're being opposed, tested, going through a trial, Stand firm in your faith. If, if, if you're saying, I'm not going to budge an inch off of what God has said, stand firm in your faith. And I'm here to tell you, you're not crazy. You're not wrong. You're not all the things they say about you. You're not unloving. And stand firm for what you believe. Let God shape and mold your positions and beliefs. God designed it all. Let him define it all. Follow his ways and then put on the armor of God and let God see you through. Let him be your defense. In fact, these last two points are essential because 
uh, they bring us full circle to God being our, our defender, Jehovah Maginanu. And then number six is do not repay. When you are opposed, do not repay evil with evil. Refuse to retaliate. You are most like Christ when you don't strike back at somebody who's hurt you. You're most like Christ when you don't attack someone who has attacked you. The world uh, loves to find faults with Christians. And uh, we're sinners. There are faults. The faults are easy to find. But even when they find someone who's blameless or they find a a belief or something that God has said that there's no fault in, uh, they'll make stuff up to, to attack it to be against it. In 1 Peter 3, 9, he says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Paul tells us this as well in Romans 12, verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And this is speaking to a group of people who I mean, it's not like people were just saying something that they didn't like. I mean, this is people being attacked. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And some people you can't live at peace with. They're going to keep um, uh, abusing, pushing on your faith, uh, fighting against your relationship with God. Never avenge yourself, though. Leave that to God. Leave room for God, who is the perfect judge, who says, I will take care of that. He is your defender. George Washington Carver said, I will never allow another man to control my life by making me hate him. That's a good word. That don't let them control you by making you hate this person. Just let the arrows drive you closer to God who is your refuge, who is your shield, who is your defender. Entrust it to God. Lay it in his hands. You need God to be your defender. Don't waste time defending yourself. That takes faith. And when God sees you do that, to hold on to your faith as a Christian, even though it's being opposed, God sees your faith and it makes him smile. The seventh thing we do, last thing we do when we face opposition, and this is the most important one of all, this is what makes Christians different from everybody else on the planet because nobody else does this one. Number seven, when I'm persecuted, when I'm oppressed, when I'm opposed, Peter says repay evil with blessing. You not only refuse to retaliate, There are a lot of people who can refuse to retaliate, but the Bible says if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you actually do good to those who do bad to you. You bless those who ridicule your faith. You bless those who oppose you. You go out of your way to go the extra mile to serve those who have been cruel to you. And he says respond with a blessing. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. But he goes on, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called. Why? So that you may inherit a blessing. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus said to bless those who curse you, love your enemies, pray for those who mistreat you. Now I'll be honest with you, I don't like that. I mean, that doesn't come naturally. Uh, that's a very difficult thing to do. 
I, I hope you notice today that uh, today's message isn't Ryland's ideas for handling opposition. <laughs> like, I tried to put this outline together so that you could fill in the blanks without me because it's just right directly from Scripture. Uh, this is what God says to do. And the points, direct quotes. And maybe this isn't what you would do naturally, but Jesus says this is what it means to follow me. And it takes far more courage to do this. Uh, any fool can fight back. Any fool can say something mean back. Any fool can curse back. Even parrots can be taught to curse. It doesn't take much brains to figure it out. And he says, if you love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who hurt you. Why? Because it shows the power of God in you. It's the most powerful witness because it shows the love of God, the power and the presence of God in you because that's beyond what you could do on your own. That's beyond what you could do in your own strength. Here's the amazing thing. When you do these things, when given the opportunity, you'll, you'll be blessed. You'll inherit a blessing. And here's the interesting thing. Some of those public attackers will become private seekers. They'll start asking, well, what's with you? Uh, this argument just seems to fall on the floor with you. You don't fight back. You don't argue back. This is not the normal response I was expecting. I mean, when you bless someone who hates you, it gets someone's attention. And I just want to remind you that a persecutor of the church became the greatest apostle, the Apostle Paul. Nicodemus, who is part of the Pharisees who were trying to put Jesus on the cross and scheming against him, came to Jesus at night and started a journey of trusting him. And sometimes opponents can become your partners if you do it correctly, if you let God defend you. But do you know that the greatest defense that we need you know, I'm so grateful to, to sing to Jehovah McGinnanu today. It's because I need a defense. Like, we're, we're to leave room for the wrath of God. And I don't make it through the wrath of God on my own. And I need a defense when God comes to make things right. And God's coming to make things right. There is a, a, a wave when he returns of justice coming. A wave of righteousness, a wave of wrath. And condemned by my own sin, I cannot stand before the presence of a holy God who must punish sin. Yet God himself defends us against his wrath. God himself, in his son, made a way where there was no way to take the just punishment for our sin and remove our condemnation so that he could be Jehovah Magananu in our life so that we could be standing on the day of justice and be saved. Peter writes this, and I'll finish with this. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Would you pray with me, please? Just pray this in your heart and mind uh, along with me uh, to God today. Say, dear Jesus, as we've prayed for the persecuted and, and looked at your word, and, um, we in no way want, want to cheapen what 
uh, people like Rebecca and people around the world are going through. I'm sitting in a, in a prison today, in a labor camp today, uh, suffering, uh, being hurt, being persecuted. Uh, but we certainly do want to look at your word and see what you have for us and how do we are to respond in our life. And God, we ask you to take away the fear of disapproval in our life. We want to live for you. Uh, take away our fear of rejection. God, humble us, embolden us. God, help us to care more about what you say than what anyone else says. Dear God, I want to become, just pray this to him today, a brave man of God. I want to become a brave woman of God with the courage of my conviction and the integrity of my heart to live for you no matter what. Lord, thank you for having the courage to die for me in my place and making a way for me to stand and be saved. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.